mental health. Lately, it sounds like something trendy to talk about, but in reality, it's something that should always be part of conversation. It's what you'll hear about on this podcast, too. Hi, I'm Stephen Jiwenma. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm your host for the Avidum podcast. Avidum is a nonprofit that empowers students to shatter the silence around mental health and suicide. In this episode, we'll look at how Avidum was created, how it serves the community, and what we're working on. But first, a warning for our listeners. This conversation will involve talking about death and suicide, which may be triggering or sources of discomfort. Please take care of yourself as you need to. I'll share more of my story later, but I want to go ahead and welcome our guests this episode. Maggie Myers and Shannon Muscavage are joining us to talk more about Avidum and how it started. Welcome, ladies. Hi, Stephen. Hello. Maggie, I want to start with you. I know this is a deeply personal story for you, and I want to thank you for sharing it with all of us. But can you take us back to the beginning? All right. So before Avidum was created, um, I was a sixth grader living normal sixth grade life with my brother, Philip, and he was a 10th grader. He played lacrosse. He played basketball. He played soccer. He did all the things. Um, he had a ton of friends, which you'll probably hear more about later. Um, and one day, uh, my brother took his life and it was not something that any of us were expecting. Even as a sixth grader, it wasn't something that I remember seeing all these signs of, um, but it kind of flipped our community upside down. So it was this kid that was popular and well-liked, um, and had a supportive family. My parents are the best and did every activity, um, and he took his life and it was a lot of people had questions i was only in sixth grade at the time so i was not the person that was asking these questions i was just kind of in shock but a lot of people had questions and they were wondering why did this happen why aren't we talking about it nobody really knew what to say or what to do um and that was the beginning of avidum that was the beginning of the idea for avidum I know it's probably like crazy to think about the fact that it's been 20 years since it all happened. And you said you weren't really thinking about what happened. You were just kind of in shock. Can you talk to us about how people were interacting with you as someone who had just lost your sibling? I had a huge, I have a huge family. So my family was there right away. Phil's friends were there. It was a revolving door of literally hundreds of people that were in and out and nobody knew exactly what to say and we didn't know what to say. Um, I remember writing a paper as a seventh grader. So the fall after, it wasn't quite a year, but it was almost a year. And I just wrote about how nobody understood and nobody knew how to talk to me. And I just felt so different and alienated. And it wasn't because my friends and people weren't being kind to me. They were being overly kind, but they just didn't know how to talk about it. When you say people don't know how to talk about it, is it because we've just been conditioned to just 
avoid the topic altogether. And so when something like this happens, there's kind of this like frantic, what do I do to kind of make things better? I think so. I think it was also difficult because I was so young that people didn't know what they could and couldn't say to me. But I think it was this, like people didn't want to say stuff and bring it up and make me upset. And they didn't want to not say stuff and make me upset. So it was a lot of people just didn't say anything. Um, I had tons of support. That's not to say that I did not. I had tons and tons of support. Um, like friends sitting in the band closet with me. But it was definitely an area of uncertainty for everyone. And you had friends like Shanna. So I want to bring Shanna into the conversation Shanna, I know this had a huge impact on you too. Can you share what you were going through? I think for me, um, my gosh, I've said six words and I'm already going to get emotional about it. I don't know how Maggie does this. Um, her strength and resiliency is such a testament to where Avidim is today. And it's a moment that will forever remain unchanged in my mind. I know where I was. I know who I was with. I have visceral memories of a group of his friends and family classmates that didn't know what to do and we didn't know what to say. And the only thing that we could come up with was to hug them. And so on a Saturday morning, we walked up the street from a neighbor's house and there was a stream of his friends hugging Maggie and hugging his parents and his grandmother because we didn't know what to do. And I think for me, the takeaway was, this was something we had never envisioned happening in our, our community. This was something we didn't even know was possible. The conversation had never been had. Mental health was not talked about in our health class. We didn't talk about depression. We didn't talk about suicide. And so when it happened, the takeaway for me was there's this group of people who are devastated, who don't know how to support people who are even more devastated and, and what can we do and how do we change that and what conversations can we have so that no other communities have to feel what we feel in this moment in time. Well, that's some powerful stuff. And I want to thank both of you for, for sharing that. And let's talk about how this translated into a Vedum. So obviously a tragedy happens, rocks this really small, tight-knit community. How do you take something so tragic and turn it into something positive through Ovidum? And either one of you can go. Well, I guess I can kind of take this from a timeline standpoint. I was a sophomore in high school. I was in Phil's class. Um, and what ultimately came out of the immediate was that a group uh, of individuals started a club called a helping hand. And there was not necessarily a lot of structure to it. It was just out of need. And, and how can we change these conversations and what can we do? Um, and that grew and evolved. And truly when Maggie then got to high school is when this morphed into, I think something we all couldn't even dream when I look back at where we are today. Yeah, and just to piggyback on that, like I mentioned earlier, I was in sixth grade um, and it wasn't really until high school where 
Avidam helped me find my voice. Um, and I owe a lot to my parents to being, because it was such a closed issue at the time. And they were really open with sharing our family story, um, which I know from other people is not the case. But we were invited to a neighboring district to speak. And I was asked if I would speak. Um, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and they had like all these backup people behind the stage ready to like get me when I started crying. And I was, I was okay. Um, but after we had, it was Hempfield. And after it was just the ninth and 10th graders, they had over a hundred kids want to sign up for a VDM. And they were like, okay, what do we do? And we're like, I have no idea because it was the beginning. Um, and that's really, we started thinking if this many kids are coming up after an assembly and have never heard of this, there is such a need. And from that first point where I talked on Hempfield stage, it has spread. Um, but that's really like the moment where I think we realized that this was something that was bigger than us. That's amazing. And we're going to talk about how Avidam has grown ever since its origins. But Maggie, I want to come back to you for a second. You said something really powerful. You said, Avidam helped me find my voice. And then you mentioned that you and your family took it upon yourselves to share this story, to use your own voice to talk about something that people generally kind of swept under the rug. My question to you is this, why, why tell your story? Why use your voice in this moment when you could have easily just been like, you know what, we've been through a lot, you know, we just don't, we don't want to keep reliving this. Why, why raise your voice? I've had a lot of people ask me, um, and the first reason is not to draw attention <laughs> to my family. Um, it is something that I talk about and it's still very, very real, especially because it's talked about so often, but the reason, and that first day on the stage, I don't even know if we video exists of it, probably not, but I always say the same thing and I always end even now and I'll say, for my brother, it's too late, but for you, for your family, for your brother, um, there's still so much hope. So it's always, the reason I can do it is because there's someone hearing that story and whether it's 10,000 or one, I want someone to hear it and hopefully reach out for help. That's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I want to talk about your school because that's kind of where it all started, right? So you and Shanna and others kind of got this movement started. Um, and I really imagine that this changed the culture at your school. So Shanna, do you recall any examples of how Avidam helped with that change? I think it's really interesting because I did not get involved with Avidam until my post high school life. Again, a helping hand was in its infancy and it's as the beginning stages, that first phase of Avidam when we were still in high school and we graduated in 2006, Phil would have graduated with us. And so it was still very much, as Maggie said, it helped her find her voice. And when she kind of got on that platform and, and started to share her story, I think we as his friends and classmates finally felt like it was okay to talk about because that as Maggie had mentioned previously, 
we didn't know what to say. We didn't want to say too little. We didn't want to say too much. And so there was kind of an awkward phase where none of us really talked about it at all. It was that group at a helping hand that that never let go of that feeling of how can we change this and what can we do? And I'm so grateful that they didn't let that conversation go away because all too often, especially in today's culture, we're very reactionary. We we see something, we want to do something, we want to change something. But if that desire and the resources to change whatever that might be don't exist, all too often we see those causes and those concerns and, and those passions go by the wayside. And it was that group allowing to keep that conversation at the forefront that really allowed Maggie and her classmates and those immediately after her uh, to, to just amplify what that message was. And so for us, it was different because we still weren't really having those conversations back in 2006. And when I see the culture that Cocalco created around it specifically and how that was able to make its way into high schools throughout Lancaster County and beyond, we say it all the time, you know, out of this tragedy came this amazing silver lining. And, and if our community had to go through it and Maggie's family had to go through it, let him save lives. Let there be no more empty desks. Talking about mental health is tough. It always has been. Maggie, I want to come to you. Obviously, when this happened, you know, the spotlight was on you and your family. I'm curious if you felt like you had to be the spokesperson for Avidum or mental health or suicide prevention. Um, if I could have my brother back, I would, in a heartbeat, take him back um, and give back kind of the initial face that I was of the organization. Um, I think naturally it kind of happened because I was a young high schooler up on a stage talking to all these people um, about something that really wasn't talked about at the time. So naturally I became the face because that's how the organization kind of started. That's no longer the case, which is absolutely great. Um, but being the spokesperson at the time, I think was something that I had the capability of, to do. Um, and I had a lot of connections and friends. So going to these other schools was something that we were able to do. And it was hard for administrators to say no when you have a kid being like, we got to talk about it. And someone that lost their sibling was such an impact on the community. So when I was going to these schools, will they say no to a principal? Sure. Will they say no to a kid? No. That's so powerful. Shanna, you're, you know, in this as well. Can you talk to the value and impact a peer has when it comes to sharing these messages? You know, Maggie's right. If, if a principal or, you know, someone who's not connected to suicide, you know, shares this information, it probably will be received quite differently from someone your own age who has gone through something like this. You're more likely to trust them. You're more likely, more likely to listen to them. So as someone who was a friend to Phil and to Maggie, you know, what were you thinking about when you're seeing Maggie kind of take, take on this role and be the face of something really, really important? 
I was completely in, and utterly in awe. I mean, I said six words on this episode and I started crying <laughs> and I had to whip out a tissue. And Maggie, you know, at 14 and 15 years old is speaking to an auditorium filled with a hundred kids and administrators. And for me personally, that's really when I started to get involved with Avidim in a, in a volunteer capacity. Um, because I saw what he was doing and I saw it's indescribable when you're in a physical place and you feel a, a change in electricity in in momentum in in passion and that was a visceral response to what Maggie was saying on stage and I just so quickly realized that so many of these kids were reacting because they were struggling, because they knew friends that were struggling and they didn't know what to do about it. Or maybe they had family members that were struggling and they didn't know what to do about it. And I think for me, you know, my first experience with mental health, specifically my own personal experience came through the lens of athletics. And, and that's when I first experienced depression. And that's how I related to it. It was always an athletic obstacle that I had to overcome. And the conversation that Maggie was introducing to schools was, it could be an athletic obstacle. It could be an academic obstacle. It could be an emotional obstacle, a social obstacle. And I think, again, her being on stage, talking to her peers about a conversation that simply no one had ever had with them was unbelievably powerful and drew all of these young mental health advocates to action within their own school communities. I think this just speaks to the power of your voice. Um, when Maggie said that Avidam helped her find her voice, you got to imagine the impact that Maggie's voice had uh, on other people and as well as the voice of other people. So uh, I want to move kind of past the origins and kind of like bringing it to current day. So it took a couple years before Avidum was officially a 501c3 nonprofit, but it seems like things just kind of took off from there uh, based on from what both of you were saying. Can each of you talk about what Avidum looks like in schools? And either one of you can go first. I think today what I see, one of my very, very favorite days of the year in this year, we're lucky enough to have two days of in this year, is the mental health conference. And when you see these young students come together and they are only motivated by creating these cultures of care and advocacy in their school communities, that's why they're there. They're there because someone helped them. They want to reach out to help one of their peers family members, loved ones, when you see them come together and become so united in this one cause, I tell so many people, it restores my faith in humanity. It tells me that this is the generation that's going to change the world. And they don't accept the messaging that you are not enough. You know, they simply come as they are, and that's enough. And they can use their voices, their talents. And that is something today that I am flabbergasted every time I look at our organization when I think back to 2003, 2009. 
I simply am so grateful that so many young kids feel empowered and called to action. Maggie, anything to add to that? So I have a unique viewpoint and vantage point because I was here since the beginning, like Shanna. Um, but I also was like a member of a club at the high school level. And then I went to college and I got to start it at Penn State. And now I'm a teacher and I teach eighth grade um, in the effort of school district. And I'm the advisor of the middle school club, which is such it's come full circle. Um, they reached out to me to ask because our last advisor retired and they reached out to ask how many years of experience I have with Avita. And I started laughing and I was like, well, you probably won't find anyone that has any more experience than me. Um, but to watch now my middle schoolers take the message in their hands and spread it is unbelievable. So it's it's awesome. I love that. Um, that's incredible. And just for our listeners, we plan to invite students to join the podcast later this season. And I am really excited to hear their perspective on the impact that Avidam is having on them and their peers. You know, as we've been saying, all this started 20 years ago in central Pennsylvania, central Lancaster, and look at Avidam now, right? There's a presence in hundreds of schools, across Pennsylvania, from elementary school all the way to the university level. When you look back at what happened in 2003, what do you make of Avidam now? And Shanna, I'll start with you. I just see so much hope and so much promise. And I'm so excited about where we're going. We have an incredible staff. We have an incredible board who are dedicated to this cause and its mission. And when I think about the impact that Avidim can have 5, 10, 20 years from now, what it could morph into. And the coolest part about it is it's not us. It's not adults making these decisions. It's driven by the students and their peers and, and what they want, the change they want to see in their school community. And Maggie? Um, it's incredible. I am just going to really quickly share a story. I don't even know. It was years ago. Um, but it was the point where I realized just how big and how impactful Avidam um, is and can be. And this student I was watching, I like every now and then we'll Google Avidam to see like the new things that people are making. And a student was sharing their story through the note cards a few years ago, that was really big and they weren't talking. And it took me a few, a little bit, but I realized they were sharing my story and I had no idea who the person was. And that might not seem like a big deal, but for so long, everyone involved with Avidam, which was amazing were people that were connected to me and connected to my family. And that was the point where I was like, this person is telling my story and I have no idea who they are. And it just like, it opened my eyes. Um, and I am no longer the face. And I think that is great. <laughs> like, I'm so happy about that because 
it's not about fail. It's not about my brother. Um, it's about our students right now that are taking their gifts and talents and they are sharing Avidam's message of hope. Hope. I want to kind of end with that. So as we start to wrap our conversation, I want to talk about that future. And I think it's bright. I think it's hopeful. And after this conversation, I'm certainly encouraged that it will be. And I know that the work that we're doing with Avidam is saving lives and making a difference. But there's more we can do, right? There's always more. So my final question to both of you is, what would each of you like to see for Avidam? You know, so much has happened in those 20 years since we lost Phil. But what do you imagine for the next 20? And Shanna, we'll start with you. My goodness, my dream wish list. Let me let me start. Uh, well, full-time staff would be <laughs> wonderful. Uh, we are we are running on, I don't want to say fumes, but we have most of our staff and our board members all have full-time jobs. So in a dream world, we've got a full-time staff who is 100% dedicated to Avidum, expanding throughout Pennsylvania, expanding beyond Pennsylvania. And it's just that the mental health conversation is happening in every school, at every level throughout the country, whether that's by way of mental health curriculum, whether that's by way of club, attending talk workshops. We've got talk workshops all of a sudden instead of in Eastern, Central, and Western Pennsylvania, we've got talk workshops happening on the West Coast, in the Midwest, um, you know, to be able to serve a school community that is so much in need um, and to be able to, to let their peers know that there's, there's a group of people here that have your back and, and can and will and want to help you figure it out and that it's okay not to be okay. I think that's, that's the dream. It's okay not to be okay. I feel that on a very deep level. Maggie, next 20 years, where do you see Avidam? My goal is that, well, my vision for Avidam, if I'm dreaming, is that one of my students doesn't have to pull me aside to tell me that they're not okay, that it's a conversation that we can be open about. And while I embrace and love talking to students individually, that we don't it's no longer something that needs to be talked about behind closed doors, um, that they're free to talk to each other. And I see it happening and I know that it can be a reality. And Avidam is a vehicle that students can use and expand and make their voices come alive to make that reality um, true across the country. You know, let's say someone is listening and they're thinking, you know what, I want to get involved. I'm a parent. I want to beat them in my child's school or maybe, hey, I'm a student and I'm so glad that something like this exists. I want to be a part of it. How can we guide these listeners to get involved? My first first thought is, one, when you reach out to the people that can help you make it happen, um, to not take no for an answer to know the value of your voice as a young person. Um, and there are lots of resources that we have. Our executive director is 
literally amazing. Um, and she has so many resources and is so hands-on. So we have the pieces of information that you would need to start it, but you definitely have to use your voice to make it happen. Jenna. Retweet everything that Maggie just said. We have an incredible staff. Our friend, our executive director uh, and our director of outreach do an amazing job um, being school facing and community facing. It's so difficult to, to, like Maggie said, you hear no immediately when you want to introduce this conversation in your community. But we've got a ton of great resources on our website. Avidam hosts talk workshops. Uh, if one is not immediately in your area, reach out. Volunteer. We mostly are holding events in and around Pennsylvania right now, but we're always looking for volunteers on site, whether it be at a talk workshop. We've got two conferences that are coming up in Lancaster and the Lehigh Valley. And lastly, funding. We are an organization uh, that is small, but mighty. And for the dream to happen, we need sustainable funding so that our staff can dedicate their time and their resources to this mission, to our students and our young mental health advocates. We've got different ways to do that. We have extra give coming up in November. Um, and then we also uh, have a place on our website to do that. You can host a talk in your school community. And uh, there's multiple ways to go about that as well. Maggie, Shanna, thank you so, so much for sharing these stories with us. Thank you for helping Avidam Grove from the start. And like I said before, it's a beautiful, beautiful way to take something tragic and turn it into something hopeful. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Coming up this season, we'll talk to more mental health advocates and how the conversation goes beyond schools in Pennsylvania. Special thanks to Wellspan for supporting this podcast and to ND Sites for editing. You can follow Avidum on Instagram at Avidum. That's A-E-V-I-D-U-M. And you can learn more about what we do at Avidum.org. I'm Stephen Juinmaw, and I've got your back. <laughs>